You hit that guy. He shouldn't have been standing. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Well, I lost him, but I don't think he'll be very keen. Uh, he's already got one, you see? And welcome back once again to Gag Reel, your favorite nonsensical comedy, film, and television podcast where we break down TV and film of comedy. And uh, we, we, we analyze it to a ridiculous degree. I am your host, Ryan, and as always, I am joined by Will. How's it going, folks? I'm pretty excited today because this is actually the first episode which we are breaking down a television episode. Today we're talking about the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Season 4, Episode, Sweet D Has a Heart Attack. A classic among classics. And we're we're going to kind of do a, a weird kind of idea here. We're going to talk about the episode, you know, or what we think is funny in it. But we're also going to kind of break it down and talk about just in broad strokes the, uh, the structure of sitcoms. And kind of why they work, what they do, and may, maybe teach you guys something you didn't know. And maybe even make these shows less enjoyable for you. That's not the goal. But it might happen. I hope not. It can. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about Charlie's freak out. Um, I'm excited to talk about Frank letting his ass breathe and all the w- other wacky things that happen in this episode. So I, I guess uh, stick around and yeah, we'll get to that. I, I guess, Will, where do you want to start? Do you want to just talk about kind of um, your thoughts on going back to this episode uh, first? Or do you want to kind of dive into the the beats of the episode first? I'm not sure. I mean, like, we could talk a little bit about the episode itself. Um, I wouldn't ever say I was going back to this episode. It's, mm-hmm. it's always Sunny's a weird show for me because I pretty much rewatched the series once a year at least it's it's usually just every few months i'll be like i haven't had it's always sunny in my life for too long and so i'll end up going back through the show and this has gone on for nearly at least a decade now at least i've had the show you know like the show's been going on and i've watched so many of them for so many years that it's you know there's never been a period where it's like really ever left however a lot of the uh, earlier seasons I mean, to call the fourth season of any show an early season is weird, but with It's Always Sunny and and going 14 seasons and strong, that you, you have to really consider the fourth season of that show an early one. And yeah, it's like with every season that comes out, a newer season feels old. And that's one of those that I guess feels old now. So going back to it for sure, it's... It's uh, it's gotten to the point where it's just like, wow, that was a long time ago that that episode aired. Yeah, yeah, I think the fourth season was the first season that I was watching as it aired. Yeah, I remember somebody coming up to me. I didn't know when it was going to start airing or something, and I remember 
people uh, I, I, I running ran into somebody who was also a fan of the show and they were like, oh, yeah, you got to check out. Yeah. The new season's going to have Sinbad in it. And I was like, wait, <laughs> Sinbad's going to be in the new season of It's Always Sunny? I don't believe you. Which is a great episode. Yeah. That was, was that? that's, a really that's uh, Dennis Reynolds and erotic life or something like that. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Go check that out if you haven't seen that one uh, as well. Yeah. Not to like go down memory lane too much, but like I feel like this show was like that that era of everyone swapping DVD season boxes of TV shows. This was one of those ones. Yeah, that show, the DVDs came out. The first, second and third seasons were all released at the same time around like 2006, 2007. And I bought it on a whim, basically just off of the cover saying it's like Seinfeld on crack. And then I knew that 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 was just their slogan for a few years at the start. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I knew Danny DeVito was in it and that it was just like, I guess I got to check this out. And yeah, quickly became a favorite. I want to get back to the Seinfeld comparison uh, once we start breaking down the episode, but just broad strokes, throw away the nostalgia here. I have, just like you, seen this episode probably too many times for it to feel fresh. But um, there's still little jokes that that always will make me laugh. And Charlie Day's performance will always uh, make me laugh Mm. as he continues to break down further and further. Yeah. And just the editing of uh, what they call Day Bow Bow as a comedy beat in that whole plot line works so well, especially when Mac is just sitting there on the phone like, uh, doesn't know what to say to Johnson. Yes. And he eventually hangs up. It just, that scene doesn't really have any specific jokes in it. It's just him reacting without really knowing how to react I, to the situation. I, I'd, I'd call that a punchline. Him, yeah, him no, just I think going... that is the punchline. What, what is your name, sir? Uh... Full name, sir. That that's the thing about um, it's always sunny. I I'm not gonna don't don't call this a perfect quote because it's been a long time since I I heard the interview, but I know for a fact that when um, Charlie Day or uh, Glenn Howerton or Rob McElhenney, aka you know Mac Charlie and Dennis, aka also the head writers of the show uh, have talked about writing the show. They, they, they love to say that they do not write jokes. They write characters and character mm-hmm. interactions. They, they don't think, even though they're clearly jokes, you know, like it's clear that they're writing jokes, but they think of, instead of thinking along the lines of like, you can watch a show like, you know, uh, Parks and Rec or, or 30 Rock or Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something. And, and you see everything is in like, it's obvious that everything is set up as a, you know, somebody's going to say something and then somebody else is going to tag with a punchline that this show, it's it's almost like they're not thinking about what the punchline would be, but rather what would my character do and mm. in a funny way, you know, and it's just like they've created these these characters that are so wacky that you put them in a situation and they're it's it's almost uh, writing itself in terms of what kind of absurd thing that they're going to do. And it creates punchlines. Exactly, lines. exactly. And often the situations are the jokes themselves. Yes. Like the very ending of the episode with the one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of gag. And it just being <laughs> like Frank's little body running out that window yeah. <laughs> out into the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't think it's a perfect It's Always Sunny episode, but it has a really strong uh, plot from Mac and Charlie. Mm-hmm. And just some really hilarious lines in it, just like every episode. Yeah, it's it's one of the most memorable, for sure. It's Even from that season, it's probably not my favorite. That would probably go mm. to Mac and Charlie Die, especially the first part. At the same time, I just I, that, that one image of, of Mac driving that car into the wall, probably <laughs> some of the best comedy I've ever seen. But uh, even even there, but still, like, there's just something unforgettable about Pepe Silvia that, you know, like speaking of which, okay. So the writer who helped come up with Pepe Silvia is adamant that he was just coming up with something that sounded ridiculous. The internet Mm -hmm. itself seems positive that it was, uh, that, that Charlie was misreading Pennsylvania. (laughs) And, um, and then when he's looking for Carol in HR, He's looking for care of HR, which is what nearly every business letter says to go to the HR department is in care of HR. And so Charlie misreading it is, uh, you know, like a, a letter with a header that says Pennsylvania care of HR mm. to uh, it's going to Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> it makes too much sense. You know, it makes too much sense. I mean, it's already it's already a fact that Charlie can't read. Or at least has extreme difficulty reading, so that it just it makes too much sense to not be, yeah, Pennsylvania. I think by leaving it vague, it works better. Yeah. I thought for years that he was just reading it backwards, and it was just like because Sylvia Pepe sounds much more like a real name than Pepe Sylvia, but mm. but I think it's it, the the Pennsylvania just makes too much sense to discount. Max says they're real people though. Yeah, not only and they're asking for their mail on a daily basis. <laughs> I I love the um it's almost like the rug is pulled out because at first you see Charlie doing the work and you almost think that he knows what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. he's walking in Mr. Taylor whose grandpa was a sailor, <laughs> Mr. White whose wife is not too bright. And the the guy kind of gives him a dirty look yeah. like what? <laughs> but uh you almost think he's got it covered. Meanwhile, Mac just is already completely uninterested in his job, like from the get go. Like he just immediately decides he's just going to go network in the water cooler. Yep. For what reason? Yeah, minute one. Yeah. His goal quickly becomes he'd rather just scam his way to the top. You you say it's like you know they focus more on the characters, and I love how like into their head they are that even in like the most throwaway moments. They're just 100% these characters. Like, you know, Mac is always thinking in his head that he's this, like, bodyguard and that he, like, is keeping everyone safe. And then in the interview, they're, like, selling themselves. And he's like, we can overthrow hostile takeovers. We can wheel and deal. (laughs) And it's like, obviously, he thinks of himself as this, like, Bruce Willis action hero that will just, like, kick anyone's ass who breaks in. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually impressed by the negotiation skills. Like, you know, they were able to pull it <laughs> off just by telling them, yeah, we'll take minimum wage, not a problem. <laughs> of course, I'm pretty sure the business ended up losing a significant amount of money by making that decision. Speaking of which, um, their uh, their interviewer was uh, played by Michael Naughton, who went on yeah, to I play. Yeah, I've seen him in he became a lot of other stuff. ongoing waiter. That's for right. the rest of the That's series, right. and so it's almost it's it's almost possible that he's playing the same character. 
I can see that. And lost his job because of hiring them. <laughs> Went on to become a waiter. That's definitely possible. Uh, fun little piece of trivia. Let me make sure I get the other guy's name right. Michael Naughton plays the waiter. Andrew Friedman plays uh, Jack Kelly, Charlie's uncle on the show. And okay. uh, those two are big groundlings. And they off, like they do stage shows together. They're like really good friends and uh, like comedy duo for like years off off TV like they're not you know like not big on the TV screen but they've got a very big uh ongoing stage presence you know like off okay. doing doing live improv shows and stuff like that comedy partners uh, I feel like the the uncle character is a kind of uh I think he's an underrated character in the show He's I mean, one of my favorites it's very creepy, but yeah. the whole hands thing is hilarious, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he came up with that. Yeah, I think one of the one of my favorite moments of his is when he's. It was the McPoyle trial of a century episode mm-hmm. when he brought these ginormous fake yeah. rubber hands, and he <laughs> he points to one of the McPoyles, and it goes flying off. So, if there's someone to point the finger at, it would be his brother. Oh my God! Oh my God, nobody look! Nobody look! Nobody look! Nobody look! Nobody look! Nobody look! Uh, but I, I I do wonder um, if we were to rank, and I don't have a list on me, but to rank Charlie's freakouts, would this be number one? Because it's definitely up there. He's had many episodes where it's just these nonsense rants and him just playing up crazy and kind of screaming. And that that's the whole comedy of it. Is Pepe Silvia number one? Out of his loud, uh, screamy crazy, I would put it there for sure. I'm thinking of Rock Flag and Eagle from season one. I, I It's not as squealy, but... Mm-hmm. Um, when he's when he's in the uh, the therapist's office in the season eight episode, uh-huh. and he's like, uh, you know, like, oh, fine, I'll 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 let the pigeon out, and she's like, what, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? You know, like, it, 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 he pulls out a, a dead pigeon from his from his jacket, and then he freaks out that he's dead. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like when it comes to his long monologue rants, I would definitely give this one the top. I would have to maybe go back through, you know, mm-hmm. to see, but I I feel like it's definitely up there. Yeah. episode and talk a bit about just sitcom structure yeah um the sitcom formula is very simple and very uh formulaic and uh it it, uh basically boils down to there's a lot of different ways to break it down but the very very simplest is there's a cult uh is breaking it down via commercial breaks which is how it's written there's the cold open which happens before the first commercial then there's a uh, the opening credits and the commercial break, and then uh, there's Act One, commercial break, Act Two, commercial break, Act Three, commercial break, and a tag as the credits roll. I've also heard the um the the cold open called a teaser 
Yes. Uh, essentially, on a on a sitcom, the the on a on like yeah, the cold open is often more referred to a cold open, unlike a drama show where like say you're watching an old episode of like you know Star Trek and something weird happens as they're flying through space. What is it gonna be? The mystery is created. The credit, mm. the, you know, like the the opening credits roll, commercial keep you keep you tuned in. And so, uh, yeah, it's a teaser. And then, um, essentially, in a sitcom, it'll be usually just an opening joke. Sometimes it has no yeah. relation. There's plenty of episodes of Community that open with just a kind of gag at the table that doesn't really lead into the plot. But I will say, The Office is famous for having like using a prank or something mm. as like an opening sequence that will have no relevance to the rest I of the show. I do think it's always sunny though is pretty much always very honed in the teaser presenting the episode because they always do the title of the episode directly after the teasers end. I, I know we just said that they don't consider themselves joke writers, but at the same time, every single code open of the series is set up with the title of the show being the punchline yep. of a joke. It's kind of brilliant how they do it for the most part. I mean, like some of them are, aren't as great as other ones, but for the most part, it's, it's a really clever way of doing it where they'll, they'll, it'll either, you know, like it'll always work out so that the title of the episode, which plays right after, you know, the cold open becomes the punchline to something that occurred right before it with this one specifically, uh, you know, you've got the, you know, like the, the gang is all sitting there laughing their asses off at, at Frank, who's smoking a bong. And then Dee's saying she doesn't feel good and they brush her off. Title shows up, punchline, D's, Sweet D has a heart yeah, attack. Which presents not exactly the conflict of the episode, but it, it leads you into what the episode's going to kind of progress from yes. and almost be all about. And so uh, Act 1, essentially, or uh, Act 1, or uh, uh, this this one article called it, you know, it calls it The Trouble. Uh, yes, um, that's the, uh, I was going to uh, mention that. That's from The Atlantic Cracking the sitcom code, which is a pretty fun article and goes into much more depth than we will. The, this structure and it uh, it breaks it down by means of a Parks and Rec episode. And so, like in in this in this act, everything is essentially set up to move the plot forward, allow the sitcom characters to get wacky, essentially. Uh, in a in a in a in a way, Dan Harmon would phrase it. You know, get the characters out of their zone of comfort. Because they want yeah. something. In this episode specifically, they all realize after D has a heart attack and none of them are covered, uh, none of them have health insurance, that they start to worry about their own well-being and start to think, what are we going to do Aside about it? And from be- Frank, who has no. health insurance yeah. and is realizing he just wants to go all out with it. Let his yeah. ass breathe. He gets a full body scan and lets his ass breathe with a hospital gown. So, th- so that's uh, the uh, first flashing that Frank, that Danny DeVito does for the series. I believe. Oh, that's interesting. I'm trying to, I can't think of any time he did that before that mm-hmm. episode. And then we've got the infamous season six Christmas episode, fully naked sequence. Yeah, there's a lot of Frank nudity as he climbs in the show out of the couch. afterwards. Yeah, I think, I think once his ass started to breathe, <laughs> it, he, he couldn't control it any longer. His <laughs> yeah. ass took full, uh, full so control. That, that, that was so, scene yeah. one. That's when. We're in the hospitals, yeah. act one, scene one, we're, and this kind of teases Mac and Dennis, or Mac and Charlie's plot, 
Dennis and Dee's plot and Frank's plot. And so um, it continues. The first act continues on from there. It's not just the first scene uh, of the the episode, but essentially they all decide to go off on their separate ways once once they realize that healthcare is, becomes the priority. Because um, you know Mac and Charlie decide they should find a job to get healthcare. Dennis and Dee decide they should just get healthier. And so Dennis and Dee decide let's go to a gym and actually uh, you know get more fit. Yeah. Yep. Look good, feel good. That's that was their. Uh, that's what they said specifically, I believe. Look good, feel good. Yeah, yeah. I think and, I, um, I want to talk a little bit about the second scene in Act One yes. uh, with Mac and Charlie at Charlie's dingy apartment. Them kind of figuring out how they want to approach this healthcare and then finding a job. But I I love how at the very end of that we pan over to Frank as he enters and just has the giant bag of pills and we get introduced. Even though this is Mac and Charlie's kind of, uh, and we could argue if this is if Mac and Charlie are the A plot or the B plot. That was something I was about to get into um, because now that they're all going their separate ways, I was going to bring up that uh, also in a sitcom formula, there's multiple plot lines. There's an A plot which is going to have the most screen time, a B plot which has a second to most amount of screen time, and a C plot which has the least. And is usually just there to throw in a few jokes here and there. Um, with It's Always Sunny, it's always interesting how they throw those around because of the fact that every character tends to have a relatively equal amount of screen time. And it's usually just um, how fast their stories play out. But uh, but yeah, whether or not Dennis and Dee have the A-plot or whether or not Charlie and Mac have the A-plot is up for debate whether you want to uh, you know, add up actual screen presence mm-hmm. or scene amount. But uh, but I love the way how they introduce Frank's C-plot in this scene because they show yes. so much of it. in, And so that way they don't really need to get back to Frank until a good deal through the second act. No, yeah. They, 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 he's able to get his entire story done in like three 30-second sequences, and it's great. But yeah, he bring yeah. While they're looking for jobs in the newspaper ads, he just comes in with an enti- like a giant bag of at least a dozen pill bottles. His doctor told him he doesn't need to get worked up, so he got prescriptions to all of the anti-anxiety meds, and he's going to try them all because he doesn't have time to <laughs> sift through the duds. When asked about whether or not he should do this, he yells, "I know what I'm doing," and shuts them up. Classic Frank. Yeah. Meanwhile, we go to the next scene, which is Dennis and Dee going into a gym, talking about how, you know, like that they want it. They want to look good, thus feel good. But then they notice that they're not wearing the proper gym attire and everybody around them seems to be sipping down Mm. shakes or taking supplements. So they should leave and come back with. Yeah, this is our kind of first glimpse at their solution to this healthcare thing by just working out. Um, I didn't talk about it earlier, but, um, you know, we're talking about sitcom scripts and, and how they work and their their kind of basic formula I, I found this article about Seinfeld and its kind of script formula which um really in my opinion and a lot of critics opinion is kind of the predecessor to it's always sunny it's always sunny really took a lot of ideas from Seinfeld and and kind of ran with it and made even crazier characters that never really learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- it breaks down the Seinfeld script formula into three really simple sentences. Identify and label the problem. 
try to outsmart the problem and the problem outsmarts you so they've identified that their problem is healthcare and now they're trying their different means to outsmart this either by getting minimum wage jobs or just working out a lot they 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 work out enough then they won't need healthcare they uh they get these minimum wage jobs and they'll have healthcare so they won't have to they won't have to worry anymore to they could live continue or as Mac puts it, they can continue living their rock star <laughs> lifestyles. Which I guess takes us to the scene four, uh, with Mac and Charlie getting yeah, interviewed. They yeah, they're getting uh they're at the job interview and the guy is initially gonna say no because it's a position for one person, but then they ask well they they say, Well, we could uh you know, there we're a package deal <laughs> and um suggest that they take minimum wage because it's just a healthcare thing. One of my favorite little moments in that scene is uh, Charlie explaining that he doesn't have complete control over everything in his life. Like, you can't control absolutely (laughs) everything. And the guy's face just being like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, that was was great. uh, And and that ends the first act. Uh, We we go to commercial break after this scene. Yes. So, yeah, we've uh, with act, act one, we got a clear idea of where they wanted to go with their current problem. And, um, and so, uh, act two begins back at the gym. Dennis and D have brought much more comfortable form fitting workout gear. And they're all jacked up on supplements and they're, they're taking turns. Oh, you want to try out this fat burner I've got. And, uh, meanwhile, walking into a spin class, which they quickly get kicked out of. They, they don't, in no parts of this episode, do they ever even, like, step onto a w- workout uh, equipment. No, they, they yeah, D, D was about to step on that treadmill earlier, but then she realized she was in jeans and wasn't going to do it. I've never seen jeans. Wasn't feeling it. And, um, and so they go into the spin class, and right when they sit on the bicycle, they effectively get, get themselves kicked out because Dennis starts rifling through his music. And, and, and she admits that, yeah, she just had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the the leader of the spin class is like, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. To, But anyways, they get into an argument and they get kicked out. But they start to realize that they don't need the gym either because they are feeling very good off of these supplements. And although Dee is uh, having some very bad bouts of diarrhea and Dennis is extremely constipated. They feel like their bodies are doing what they're supposed to because with D her body is being purged of its toxins. And with Dennis, he's working at his body's working at a hundred percent efficiency. It's not even developing any waste products. And, and so, and uh, given this is their only scene in all of act two, they really kind of go out of their way to explain what they're doing next as well, which they say at the mm-hmm. end of the scene, let's work on the face the most important muscle and then they're just kind of kicked out of the show until the end of act two that's why yeah that's why it's an interesting debate whether or not they're the a plot or the b plot because if even though screen time scene amount wise they're definitely less than you know mac and charlie their plot does seem just as important and it's so efficiently put together that it just, it feels equal, even though it takes less time. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's very efficiently 
piece mm-hmm. together. It's just, I guess, a smaller story. You got a couple scenes at the gym, and you've got one scene at, at Dennis's apartment yep. later on. The debate rages on. And so then we go to uh, the next scene, which is uh, Charlie and Mac showing off their prowess at working the mailroom. Charlie is working his ass off, delivering mail to people, and Mac is already, you know, shirking his duties and trying to network at the water cooler when he comes up with a new plan. He's no longer going to help Charlie with the mail. Instead, he's going to sneak into this other, this guy who's on vacation for a week, you know, uh, Johnson. He's out of the office. Why don't I just go sit in there? And then um, by the time they notice that I'm in there, I'll come up with an idea that'll save the company millions and they'll be forced to promote him. So Mac immediately decides he's going to scam his way to the top. So even though Mac and Charlie are in, you know, their own kind of A or B plot, whatever you want to call it, they are now deviating and kind of have their own stories within this plot. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. They essentially, yeah, become, yeah, come up with their own way of doing things at this point. And now we get the kind of musical punchline introduced that the episode uses multiple times. Uh, Day Bow Bow. Technically, it's Oh Yeah by Yellow. But everyone should always refer to the song as Day Bow Bow. Next, we get that tiny clip. I think it probably was less than 15 seconds of Frank on the street, just drugged out of his mind. Meds are kicking in. <laughs> just wandering aimlessly. How many drug Frank sequences are there in this damn show? Because in the third season, we have him <laughs> on the acid freaking out. Want to drop some acid with me? What? You're dropping acid? Hmm. Woodstock, baby. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, no. Thank you. Uh, I believe that would have the complete opposite effect of relaxation for me. Well, I'm going to trip balls. We were, uh, you know, we were mentioned, we were talking earlier about whether or not this was, you know, like uh, later in this episode has Charlie's best uh, rant or, or breakdown or freak out screaming thing. I, I I would also ask, is this Frank's best drug out sequence? Because he has a lot, he does of, a lot of drugs with people under the bridge, too. People under the bridge and Pondy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's and, and all the I do really like weird stuff he does with Artemis. I, I like when he snorts uh, the amphetamines with the college students a lot. That's that's probably my favorite when him and Dennis are high on this this stuff called Ritterall and they're uh allegedly pranking this guy's house but they're like sabotaging everything on the planet inside of that house they're like nailing his <laughs> shoes to the ground tying his shirts into knots so tight that he will never get them out doing his taxes That's the best so prank. that when That's the- <laughs> Frank's weird drug mind I'm going to do this guy's taxes so they're going to audit him <laughs> Or, or or cutting the shower curtain so that it doesn't hide anything. <laughs> and then, then it's just like, ooh, I, I like what this Ritterall is doing to your brain. And Danny, Danny or Frank's like, oh, I love this feeling. Oh, ho, ho, yeah, this, don't don't take this as us encouraging uh, drug abuse here. I no. Don't thankfully Ritterall does not exist. You don't want to be uh, Frank Reynolds. No, but it's very enjoyable oh. to watch little Danny DeVito man. Are high on bizarre substances. I, I I attribute entirely to and when I was going back through the I was I was on my five billion three watch recently, and I was going through and this time I paid a little more attention to just like 
the amount of work some like these guys do for their performances mm-hmm. uh rather you know and it's just like there were there were whole seasons when Dana, when Frank Reynolds was given very little to do other than just like play catch up with like season six and seven is a lot of the gangs doing something wacky and Frank walks in is like what are you guys up to and like he's able to pull off just ex- like pushing for expository dialogue <laughs> in a way that you barely even notice that all he's doing is just you know like Charlie McDennis the whole episode him's just like wait that's what you do you just smash each other's game pieces. And he's just repeating like everything That's for exposition, true. but he performs it in a way that it's like, man, he makes it funny and makes it like work. It's crazy. Um, but uh, but yeah, and so like giving him drugs is just like a, you know, let Danny DeVito act wacky. This specific wacky meant almost looking as if his glasses magnetized his eyes. I think they eyes gave him bigger. different glasses. And just wander aimlessly <laughs> with his eyes all bugged out. So, yep. And uh, and now we we cut back to the mailroom and we see Charlie is kind of on the brink of madness. He started to smoke cigarettes. And it's really unclear how long of a time span this is. Is this the same shift? Is this a few days later? We, we don't really know. I, I'm not sure either. It feels like it's been a while, but it could have been the same damn day. Was he wear? Uh-uh, I didn't check to see if he was wearing the same shirt or not. What's that? If it like that might have been a good indication if it was the oh, second day. If, Charlie, if he was wearing yeah, a different yeah, yeah. vest, if they were wearing different clothing. But it look. I but at the same time, I don't know if that would be a tell because they probably only have one mm-hmm. business suit. It's unclear. It's unclear. Like I know Char. I know for a fact Charlie has mm-hmm. the one clip-on tie. But yeah, we we see Charlie is starting to get a little screw loose. It cuts back to now Frank being admitted into a hospital. They found him on the street. Another these are all really short scenes of of Mac talking to Charlie. Then uh Frank being admitted and then the ease, the end of act 2 being Mac having that phone call with Johnson. Yeah. Really qu- Okay, yeah, yeah. Three goes, really uh, yeah, quick that's, scenes. That's what I have written. Yeah. Charlie is, is, you're revealing that Charlie's terrible at sorting the mail, then cut to the mental health facility where, yeah, Frank is brought in and then cut back to Mac. He's, uh, yeah, they, they're, they're starting to catch on. End of act two. And so act three is when it all starts to uh, culminate, or as you put it um, in that one quote, uh, the, the plan outsmarts yep. them. The problem outsmarts them, yes, as they all kind of break in different ways via their body or their yes. mind. Yes, and so it opens up in Dennis's apartment. We finally get back to Dennis and Dee, and um, according to Dennis, now it was that the supplements were doing the the you know like all all the work on their own. Now Dennis has gotten so far as to say that the supplements are taking care of the mind, body, <laughs> and soul, and all that's left is the face. And so. Um, yeah, so they ordered some illegal. It's unclear, but they or, get some collagen yeah. and some Botox from Mexico. Yes, and it's all in Spanish, which is not a problem because, as Dee puts it, you know when you when you know Latin, you know like three languages. But she does not know <laughs> Latin, and it has pictures though, yep. so everything's good. Um, she then mixes up the bottles and injects collagen into Dennis's eye. And it does not mm. go great. And so in a very quick scene, we're, yeah, the problem has become significantly worse. And we cut back to 
Frank being cared for. He's taking the medications they're giving him at the he's health still, facility. He's still and very then... zonked out. And this scene kind of felt more so as just a transitionary scene to kind of then, I don't know, lead us into Charlie's big freak out. I don't know how necessary this scene of Frank was. I don't, I don't think it was wholly necessary other than the fact that maybe thinking back, it was the meds that they gave him that helped clear maybe out. Maybe that was it. His clear up his brain after a little while. It's really it's kind of unclear um, if they're continuing to drug him or if those are what kind of sobers him up. Yeah, I would think it's just yeah. Uh, over time, it would just he would you know like the other the the dozens mm. of other meds just got out of his system. Either but, way, um, he's anyways, out, and now we get the famous mailroom Pepe Silvia scene with Charlie. Yeah, everything has reached a boiling point. Mac runs down to the off to the mailroom. They're on to him. They're so much smarter than he anticipated and they 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 have they have no time for bullshit. They you know like something I wish there was an additional scene where like yeah, he was like completely caught or mm. something. Or if or if he just really just freaked out that much I, after that yeah, one phone that's call. That's what I had interpreted it as, but I, I like the <laughs> idea that someone like talks to him. But anyways, yeah, he's free. He's having a panic attack while Charlie is having a complete and total nervous breakdown. You want to talk about the mail? Let's talk about the mail. Coffee and cigarettes and mail broke this man's brain. <laughs> drink some apparently. more. Drink some more coffee to calm you down. Yeah, and uh, and Barney. Does Barney ever come back? We need a, 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 another recurrence of Barney one day. Yeah, that would be interesting. He gets stressed out again, and Barney comes back. Barney, give this guy a cigarette. He's freaking out. Huh? Who? Barney. He's the guy who tipped me off to Pepe Sylvia. Barney? Who the hell is Barney? You don't see Barney. Oh, shit. What the hell did he? You've lost your mind. You've lost your goddamn mind, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, and so we see Charlie's big conspiracy map with, uh, you know, like with all the the the, the, the yarn and, and the... The maps and the drawings and and with obviously, uh, oh yeah, slash day bout bout playing throughout the whole freak out, which once again just kind of punchlines their whole plot. And uh, and so then Charlie also and and Mac is still freaking out. He thinks they're gonna lose their jobs. And Charlie, okay, this is the part where it does mention that time has gone past. Maybe you know it's very unclear um, because of how crazy Charlie is at this point. But yeah, he says it's like we got pink slips three days ago or something like that. Yeah, some pink slips came in the mail for him a few days ago, and he he mailed them halfway to Siberia. So he gave them some time. Me and my partner actually argued about this a little bit after we watched it because they were like, well, obviously it's been a few days since he got those slips. I was like, but look at the man. Like, (laughs) is he in any state right now to understand time? And does that mean he's literally been awake and on coffee and cigarettes for this many days now? It's very unclear. And there's also the question of uh, how they all end up where they do at the end of the episode when it's, I mean, there's no way. Oh, actually, no, it could have taken because, yeah, Dee had to order. That's true. The the Botox and the collagen and it had to show up in the mail. And so it could have been it a good week. It probably it about was. a week or a We're getting week a little too nitty gritty here, but it's still interesting. But we we now cut to the kind of wrap up scene uh, at the clinic, where which is uh, back to the kind of Seinfeld script idea. I feel like what something Seinfeld really pioneered, and we talked about this a little bit before recording, is that 
there were a lot of sitcoms before Seinfeld, A, B, and C plots, D plots, whatever. But Seinfeld really introduced this idea of wrapping all the plots together and Curb Your Enthusiasm, which was definitely the kind of predecessor to It's Always Sunny, really kind of uh, took that idea and ran with it of like all the characters, all the A, B, and C are completely wrapped. And while this episode doesn't really wrap in Frank's story to the end here, it does put, you know, all four of the main cast's stories in one specific location here at the end. Exactly. And so, yeah, after all of this, the culmination of everything you've had, you got, oh, uh, you know, you've got Dennis needing medical attention for his eye. D, her heart's not feeling great because she's stressed out because she put collagen in mm-hmm. Dennis's eye and, and there was a big probably stress Probably also all the afterburner, fat burners, whatever they've been taking. Yeah. I imagine that started to wear down after a while and... Yeah, that just yeah. That's gotta be term. bad on your heart, is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those are loaded with caffeine for one thing, for mm-hmm. the least of. And then, uh, yeah, so I the guess they think it? the free clinic can help Charlie's craziness. Yeah, Charlie has yeah is having a nervous mental breakdown, and so they get they take him there. Mac is still having an anxiety mm-hmm. attack, and so basically all of them need some sort of treatment, in some form or fashion. Some worse than others. And so they have all gone to the free clinic where they all run into each other yep. again. Which ties everything together in like the way of their plots, but also in the way of like the episode being about healthcare that now these characters yeah. are having to rely on this free government clinic because their their ridiculous plans to get healthcare uh, did did not work out. <laughs> which is you know it's hilarious but also a little you know frustrating and sad just like a, a lot of you know their plots kind of can jab at american problems i feel like this one does a good yeah. job at that oh absolutely um and so yeah and and with like the, there's there's not really a follow-up scene after that other than just a a, a tag we get to the the tag at the very end well, the uh, that Atlantic article called it the kicker, but yeah, I think you said the, the more traditional ending is called the tag, of just kind of the the and, gag uh, scene at the end after the plots are kind of resolved, that shows Frank and really like kind of brings home that this is a one flew over the cuckoo's nest parody, even that that, that they were yeah. kind of hinting at before. It uh, yeah, and and it gets him out of the mental health facility that he's in. And the credits roll as he's running yes. away. And um, and so... Which I'm sure most of yeah. you listeners uh, view know if you are Sonny fans at all uh, or film fans that that uh, Danny DeVito was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So it's a kind of funny yes. nod in spoofing that. Earlier in, the, uh, in the, the episode, whenever he first is brought into the... Uh, facility there's a man at the at one of the tables it it focuses on him for a few minutes where he's uh playing with the cards and kept saying hit me that that was a lookalike playing danny devito's mm-hmm. character from the film one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh and it, his name was martini in that that's right that's, who he that's right that sounds right. so he had a lookalike martini meeting frank reynolds martini this weird crossover <laughs> world thing 
slightly different ending than One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, with with Danny DeVito escaping and not the the chief. Yeah, and this one, the, the chief breaks the the yeah the window and for just him. stares at him. <laughs> Parallels and yeah, Danny DeVito is not. It's not like a they they didn't have the screen time to even try and make a full on parody. I think this is just yeah. Yeah, I think it was the right parody. amount of parody. Yeah, they weren't gonna. What was Jack Nicholson's character's name? McMurphy. McMurphy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, McMurphy. Yeah, they weren't gonna just turn him into a McMurphy and make a whole episode about him. That would have been a little much. They also didn't really. They they really just it was just him in a mental health facility and like a parallel. And then the very end was the parody. They didn't. Ha- they didn't like push like oh a nurse ratchet lady and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think Sunny works as well when they try homage or or spoof. Sometimes it's fun when they go outside of the box, but I think they're best when it's just them being kind of debaucherous and trying these ridiculous yeah. ideas. When they do direct parodies, it's it's not always as great. I I I got a kick out of the uh, making Dennis Reynolds a murderer, mm-hmm. but it definitely it's not one of their greatest yeah. or anything. And then some of the ones that seem like they're gonna be parodies end up becoming better because they're not like, or or when the characters are actively trying to recreate yes, something. Let's see. Like uh, the gang gets extreme mm-hmm. home makeover is a fantastic episode. It's probably one of my favorites in the mm-hmm. fourth season. That one is them actively yeah, trying yeah. to pull that and off. I, I feel the same about. Um, uh, I think it's bums making a mess all over the city when Charlie really tries to lean into a Serpico angle, but no one else is really yeah. on board. Like the the filmmaking, they use a little bit of editing to try and make it look more like a cop movie. And they're playful with that, yeah. but they don't go overboard with it and make it a whole kind of cop deal. What is this? That right there is a tale of corruption and intrigue, the likes of which are gonna rock this city. Spin Doctor's mix. No, I taped over the Spin Doctor's. That's great. But uh, I think we should spare people from us diving any deeper into sitcoms um, for now. Uh, if you like this, then obviously write in to gagreelpod at gmail.com or go comment on the website, gagreelpod.com or any of our social media channels. Uh, wh- what are those called, Will? We've got facebook.com slash gagreelpod. We've got Twitter at gagreelpod. Uh, you went over the email and the website, and that, that's what we got right now, folks. Yeah, if you want to hear us talk about more It's Always Sunny episodes, which I hope we do, um, or Seinfeld or Kirby Enthusiasm, as we've kind of referenced in this episode, or I talked about Community, we talked about Parks and Rec, there's lots of great comedy shows that uh, we could talk about. So let us know uh, what, what your favorites are and what you want to chat about or what your favorite quotes from this episode are. Yeah. And I guess that's it for this one. Will, I, I remember... We had made a little list of what our next episodes were going to be. Uh, wh- what is the next one? Uh, I believe the next one is going to be um, the yeah the 1963 three and a half hour comedy. It's a mad, 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 mad world. I got to be honest. I've heard a lot of people talk about this movie a lot. I did not realize I was committing to a three and a half hour movie. I just found but, that out. Um, Good to know. At least it's not the like 12 hours of Adam Sandler that we did earlier in, uh, oh, I guess that was last year. And uh, yeah, look forward to the episode about the movie not being three and a half hours. So 
if you if you're able to sit through the movie and you want to listen to us talk about it, we're not going to talk about it for quite that long. Well, we, we might, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it might be so good. You know, it is in the Criterion Collection. You know, it might be so good that we end up talking about it for three and a half hours. But maybe we'll edit it down a little bit because I don't, I don't. Because if you tried watching the movie and listening to the podcast episode, you would end up having a seven hour. That's entertainment, Will. Oh, okay. So get back keep, to your, uh, keep, uh, your I, I'm, I'm sure people want to get back to their baby Yodas and, and other stuff to watch. Keep your eyes on your podcast feeds to find out how long that episode is two weeks from now. And have a, have a good time. It's been a doozy. Gag-a-doodle-doo. It's over now.